Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show presents the Weekend Recap. Yes. And that means, of course, we're recapping UFC 279. Not the fights we came in expecting, but the ones we deserve, damn it. Yes. We're also talking about the PFL signing another UFC veteran and a fight denouncement. Mm. All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys for joining us. It's Monday, the start of the new week. We're here to give you guys that recap edition, of course, once again. For a card that we completely did not preview at all, really, because yeah. our preview is, I mean, you might as well don't even watch it because uh, yeah. it had no relevance on what actually went down uh, uh, Saturday night. So, um, Dominic, I know we're kind of, we're, 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 we're uh, facing the clock here a little bit because we got some football to watch and I of course did not wake up as early as I was hoping to to make the drive back home but um, because of that I think we're just going to skip the skip the complimentary the small talk. yeah the small yeah. talk and let's just talk about points bet sportsbook real quick please do Noah yeah they're the betting partner of the below average Joe's MMA show and that means that they are giving you you guys an exclusive offer you can make good on this exclusive offer in two different ways. One, by going into the link in the description of today's episode. Or if you want to check our bios, Twitter, Instagram, it's in there as well. Uh, you go there, sign up. At sign up, you will get on your initial deposit 100% match up to $2,000. Come on. It's free money in your pocket. I don't see why you haven't already done it. Yeah. I mean, just go. Go. Right now. Go. Please. Yes. There's also another way. If you want to go straight to downloading the PointsBet Sportsbook app, you can. And at sign up, you'll just have to type in code MMAJOES. Yes. And you get the exclusive offer. So thank you, PointsBet Sportsbook. But Dominic, let's get into the musical chairs. Of UFC 279. Uh, when we talk about a card like UFC 279, we kind of have to back up and talk about what happened between the time we stopped recording on Wednesday to basically what we saw Saturday. Uh, because what a fight week it was. Actually, one of the craziest fight weeks in my time as, as a fan, as, as since I've been a fan. This, this is only rivaled in terms of what I've seen live. With UFC 223, Habib, Iaquinta, you yeah. had the whole the Dolly boost. incident. But then you also had, like, Max and Tony falling out and stuff. I mean, what a crazy – that's the only one that could probably top it in my Has eyes. So, yeah. um, we did a Twitter space, actually. Thank you for anyone who you're yeah. listening or watching and you joined in on that. So, we kind of talked a lot about the fallout of this card on there. But if you didn't – we are going to talk about it right now. Dominic, I want to get your thoughts on the whole press conference debacle first, mm-hmm. um, since that's kind of the timeline here. Press conference is ready to go, rearing up. Everybody's tuning in. Um, things seem to be, there seems to be something in the air immediately. Something seems a little off. Dana looks very shook 
yes. on stage. They decide they're going to bring two fighters out at a time. You can tell something's off. So Jing, um, Daniel Rodriguez, excuse me, and Kevin Holland come out, asked a few questions, and then once they're sent back, uh, Dana's personal security comes up to him and is telling him something. He's like, guys, we got to cancel the whole thing. Sorry, like it's in the best interest to, to go ahead and cancel this. I think he even threw a couple times in there that things were a shit show. That was yeah. uh, things that I don't know. He used a lot of big, a lot of words to describe yes. what went down, um, and what it ended up being was essentially starting with two fighters on the card: Kevin Holland and Hamza Chimaev, who were not originally scheduled to fight each other. By the way, mm-hmm. um, getting into trading words and then punches and kicks get thrown. And then their entourages start fighting. Then somehow Nate Diaz's entourage gets involved. And really you have like 100 people back here just ready to brawl. So not nearly enough security, police on hand to really um, de-escalate the matter. They do kind of get it, get them separated. But then the idea of bringing these people out, these fighters out into the crowd where you have people very rapidly Diaz or very rapidly... Hamza and perhaps inciting the crowd to start joining in on this matter. Yeah. Uh, it was probably a smart decision, but what did you think when all this was going down? I mean, it, it, details were very minimum for a long time, it felt like, after this press conference got canceled. It really just left fans and us kind of like waiting, like getting the weird vibes, like something just already it was such a just big fight week feel but a weird fight week feel at the same time because all the drama around the main event then all of this happens and then you kind of learn that well it wasn't even so much so nate and hamzat that were getting into it as bad as hamzat and other people um poor Li jing liang showing up in his badass suit looking to speak english to the fans he doesn't even get to go out there i mean come on that's the biggest loser of the entire weekend Noah. but we'll get into that a little bit more in a few minutes it was just crazy. It was un, you know, that was the first time they had ever canceled a press conference. Dana said on the stage there too, which is pretty crazy to think of. Good thing people don't pay, you know, money to go to those. They're free to attend for the public that are there. But still, especially if you're someone that doesn't have a ticket to the show and you just wanted to be a part of it somehow, and you were there, I definitely feel for those fans. Uh, but it was just wild, and little did we know that all of that would transpire to even worse things going on. 12 hours later on Friday. <laughs> yeah, so in all honesty, it was a really crazy scene. Apparently things were very tense, very um, dicey looking for people in the back. Like they didn't know how bad this was going to get. Yeah. But when you're waiting on these details, to be honest, once the details came out, I was kind of like, oh, that was – I was expecting a little more. <laughs> like, like when the video clips – surfaced you mean no 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 like just when the initial reports okay. kind of came out of what gotcha. happened i was like oh okay so some guys and i'm not i'm sure it was still like i mean could have gotten really bad right. when you have a lot of people and perhaps a brawl like I, yeah yeah i just with the, with the way things were people were acting dana looking very shaken up well apparently he took an inadvertent kick <laughs> from a fighter who may or may not be looking for a new job. I don't know. I, I, no, not clear who did that. But, um, you know, the UFC PR team are telling any reporters, anybody in the back who got footage that, quote-unquote, need to die with that footage. Um, what ended up coming of it was, I mean, it, 
I was expecting something much worse. I yeah, think. I would agree. Yeah. Um, so I guess that was okay. So you kind of dodged the bullet in some ways. I mean, things yeah. are very tense now. Security is going to be very high for the event. Yeah. But Dominic, we're not even getting into the event yet because yeah. first we got to weigh in. We got to make weight, right? Wow. And uh, what a task that seemed to be for multiple fighters on this card. Macy Chase on missed weight, so her and Aldana competed at a 140 pound catch weight. Chris Barnett, my man Huggy Bear, yes. became only the second heavyweight in UFC history to miss weight despite only being 5'9. Chris, yeah. say it ain't so. Right. Um, am I missing another fighter that missed weight? Oh, yes, perhaps. Uh, one half of our main event, Hamza Chimaev, came in almost eight pounds overweight. Just a small little, you know, tidbit to yeah. the whole thing. So Hamzat comes in eight pounds over. Everybody else in our top six there make weight. Um, Diaz, Tony, and DeLeach all weighing in at 170. D-Rod and Kevin Holland weighing in for their 180-pound catch weight. Well, now the UFC has a bit of a situation here because Nate Diaz isn't did not want this fight with Hamzat to begin with. It's a massive underdog, and now you're going to ask him to take it when the guy weighs eight pounds over the scheduled weight. It had no shot. But apparently the UFC were pretty aware that Hamzat was potentially going to miss weight because I guess they had been working on the backup plans behind the scenes for hours before the weigh-ins took place, and who knows how keyed in they were on it and the weeks leading up if perhaps there was an injury that might have mm-hmm. caused this because that's kind of the rumor but dominic the ufc go in and they somehow make they somehow fail upwards because they really <laughs> they are really the biggest people at fault here yes hamzat bag fumbled big time this weekend yeah. i mean really the last two months have been not kind to this guy. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. He, he, Leon Edwards shocks the world, becomes champion. Anyways, I'm I'm not going to get off track here, but you get the point. Hamzad <laughs> yeah. has has the last couple months have been big big road bumps on his climb. Yes, misses weight by eight pounds. UFC trying to save the card. They just do old switcheroo. Basically, they just. They're putting square pieces and round pegs. Yep. I mean, it's 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 getting messy. So then your new main event, Dom. Nate Diaz taking on Tony Ferguson, five-round main event. Yeah. Tony was scheduled for three-round co-main, and he's going up, stepping up, fighting Nate Diaz five rounds. Co-main event, Kevin Holland bumped up to the co-main spot to face Hamzat Chimaev because, wait a minute, Hamzat weighed in at almost the weight that exactly. Kevin Holland did. So. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, that someone had to kind of bite the bullet here, and that was Li Jingliang. Li Jingliang weighed in at 170, accepted a fight as the third fight on the main card with Daniel Rodriguez, who weighed in at 180. Um, so he definitely took the shaft, the short end of the stick on that one. My man got a new suit for the press conference, didn't get to wear it. Yeah. Learning English. I mean, I, I feel it's for a him. Shame. Yeah. So once these new matchups were all put together, Dominic, what kind of went through your head once it was official? You know, was, was did this make you more excited, or were you like, all you could think about was just like, well, what a shit show this has been? But can I say both? Because it was an absolute <laughs> shit show. 
But dare I say, no, it was one of those beautiful shit sandwiches that you used to talk about a long time ago on the podcast. The best bread in the world. Yes, the best exactly. $100 bread with just a fat pile of shit in the middle. That That's what it was precisely, Noah. And, and, and it made the intrigue to me as a fan, as an MMA podcast. Uh, dare I say, no, we're members of the media in a certain sense. It made me more excited for this card tenfold. I mean, I, it was... It was okay, right? We had talked about it for weeks. It was okay, even when they added Tony in the lead. When they added Kevin and Dan or, uh, and Daniel, which that was the fight we were most excited for going into the card. It was okay, but that main event just had a dark cloud hanging over that nobody really needed to see that fight. But then we get Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson, and everybody needs to see that fight. It's a shame it happens now rather than later. Still crazy that all those years went by and they never did fight each other but we got it on Saturday night. We got Hamzat and Kevin, which turned out to be a grudge match. Let us not forget Kevin Holland first called out Hamzat like a year ago mm. uh, to fight him. So that was just kind of boiling for a while. And then D-Rod and Lee Jingliang turned out to be a good fight. The leech really giving it his all, being down 10 pounds. Who, who knows how many pounds he was down come fight night on Saturday. Um, but they all turned out to be better fights than what they would have been, I would imagine. And the results were a bit different than what you would imagine when you look at how all these matchups went. Give me your thoughts, Noah. Everything goes down Friday. We had our Twitter spaces. The fights get confirmed like an hour and a half after that. We're going into Saturday with a whole new three-fight slate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's unprecedented. Yes. I mean, we've now at the point at the point in the UFC's history, we've seen whole cards be canceled. Never forget UFC 151. The very first time they canceled an entire show when Dan Henderson had to pull out of that main event spot with John Jones and then John wouldn't take the fight with Chael Sonnen on short notice. Dana White goes on this whole bender talking about how uh, Greg Jackson's a fucking sport killer and all yeah. this stuff. And then you have like things like GSP, Johnny Hendricks, where the result is so highly debated and Dana goes into the post-fight press conference and is talking about GSP owes it to the fans, to this company, to Johnny Hendricks to defend that belt again when GSP had mentioned retirement. Yeah. felt like the whole MMA world is crumbling around us. And then you have something like this, unprecedented. You know, you would think you'd seen it all in MMA at this point. But to switch up these matchups like this, all six guys deserve the utmost credit oh, for yeah. for kind of weathering the storm. I mean, really, or I guess the other five guys, because really Hamzat's kind of the the source of what caused all this. So uh -huh. for but you know he still accepted a fight, even if maybe he was going in injured, and maybe you know obviously weighing in eight pounds over, you knew something went wrong. I mean, yeah. he must not have been doing great. So he still takes a fight with Kevin Hahn. All these guys took fights on sh basically the day before with a yeah. completely new opponent, um, not one they were preparing for. So all those guys deserve just two thumbs up. They deserve yeah. a lot of credit. And I think you'll notice when we're really recapping the fights today, you we can have takeaways for sure, but it's hard to look too much into like some of these, right? Just right. because, like Li Jingliang, and I guess we can kind of transition into... Yeah. You know, the fight talk. Li Jingliang loses a very close split decision to Daniel Rodriguez. 
he obviously was the one felt like he was getting the shaft here to begin with, but I'm sure they paid him, you know, I'm sure they gave him some money to, to take it, right? You know, that's nice. But this was, <laughs> I heard a lot of people saying that this was a robbery. Um, I, I didn't quite uh, agree with that. I thought it was a very close fight, but I definitely thought the Leech had done enough to win. Yeah, Daniel Rodriguez gets the victory. Um, so I just feel so sorry for Lee Jing Liang. That's like, but like I can't look too much into him losing here because right. Right. he took a fight ten pounds up. He stepped up. He fought well. Fought hard against a really tough opponent in Daniel Rodriguez. And nearly won the fight. So, um, kind of going out of order here. But how did how did you feel about that fight? Because and I think what made it the the cherry on top of just all these L's that it felt like it were piling up for the leech this week. The crowd was booing the fight. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I I just I get it. I I know I can't change that. That's just a human reaction when when they're not getting the action they want. But guys, this was not a bad fight. Like if this was the if this is what people think is like not solid MMA, I mean you might just want to go watch something else, something a little more exciting, a little more action packed than perhaps perhaps the Teletubbies or something might be more your speed. Um, so Dominic, when it came to this fight, how did you score it? And then were you surprised? that Daniel Rodriguez got his hand raised. Yeah, I was a bit surprised that Lee held up as good as he did just because I knew the size was going to be, like, insane. Because Lee just looked super lean in general yesterday, so I don't think he was coming in too heavy even after that 24 hours. But D-Rod, who had already been 10 pounds heavier, he had to have been at least 20 to 25 pounds heavier come fight night. It just, this size was pretty significant in the cage. But the leech gave it his all arguably won the fight i scored the fight for him two to one um but no robberies and for people that boo shame on you um and that's the same reason that all these fucking seats were empty until the main card starts i mean it's just pathetic that people don't show up for all of the fights you're gonna boo fights when you do get there give me a break with that shit it's just vegas has fights all the time and no one is grateful for it we're over here in the midwest <laughs> scratching and clawing trying to get a fucking cage fury fight in the midwest and it's just, oh, anyway, that's you a make a great for, point. That's yeah, a that's a great little rant right yeah, that's there. That's a rant for another day, I guess. But it's just shame on anyone that booed any fights last night, prelim opener to the main event, because it was an insane week, an unprecedented week that all these fighters had to deal with the repercussions one way or another. Even if they weren't part of these six fighters that we're talking about the most. <sighs> anyway, fight was good though. And, uh, you know, onwards and upwards for both. Jing Liang stock continues to just stay where it was, if not get higher. A lot of fan love for him heading into that fight. And D-Rod, wake up, people. We've been talking about him forever. That's four fights in a row that he's won. Could put him with a legitimate, like, ranked opponent next with hopefully an ideal fight camp. And the same goes for Leach. He absolutely stays in those rankings. Yeah, I hope both guys get go upward in their yes. matchmaking next. I want to see both guys perhaps take on a top 10 opponent. I think yeah. for them to make good on this and, and do what the UFC were asking them here, that's got to go a long way, and I hope that they uh, you know, return that favor in a way. Mm -hmm. um, uh, since we started with the third fight, we'll just go to the co-main yeah. and then the main event. Hamzat Chemayev. For He's the fourth good. fourth time in his yeah. you in his is it just his MMA career right? 
Well, for sure the UFC though. Only no, fourth time in his UFC career. Out of he, six, by the way, that that I he's mean, had <laughs> one strike or less landed on him. That's blasphemous. You know, there's only one number less than one, and it's zeros. So, yes. Um, look, say we we said a lot on that Twitter space. I mean, I I was talking about just what a fumbled bag it was, and it is because he was literally being set up. Say what you will about the matchup. If you thought Diaz had a chance, if you if you thought Diaz is, you know, does have a lot left. I'm not saying he doesn't, but let's be clear, let's be honest about the intentions of this matchmaking, this matchup being made. The UFC looked at Diaz as the past, a guy that's wanting out of the company, who's not therefore not going to provide them with his value anymore. Right. So they wanted to sort of give the rub to someone that they do want to build up to be a big star. Mm-hmm. Hamza Chimaev has all the makings to be that guy, is already on pace to kind of be a big deal in this company. So they put Diaz with him, even though it doesn't really make sense from a matchmaking perspective, from a ranking perspective. Yeah. But they do it because Diaz on his way out, he's the biggest star, really being active in the sport right now. Hamzat needs that that push. Hamzat, if he were to go in there and get a real clean win like he did here with Kevin, yeah, I mean that would have skyrocketed his his just clout in in the MMA in the MMA game. But then he misses weight by eight pounds, nearly eight pounds, and and embraced it. He was he and, has embraced full on the villain role. Yes, yes, he has because it, it seemed for a while we didn't know. You know, he kind of leaned like he sort of would lean the villain way, but then yeah. people just loved watching him fight so right. much and the performances. You know, the Gilbert Burns fight's one of the best fights of the year. Yeah, you know, I felt like he had won out, like he had a ton of fan support. But any time his picture came up in that crowd last night at the or at the arena, any time his name was mentioned just booze everywhere and when he came out showered him he is fully oh yeah the villain now and um despite all that went against him there the missed weight kind of the way he reacted to the missed weight kind of flips the bird at the media um just kind of acting like kind of a prick about it a little bit i mean just to be honest with you i mean i i love the guy as a fighter but i mean just i mean you you're the one that's missing weight you can't really get mad at people for for being critical of that you didn't fulfill your obligations but despite all that dom he came in here and he absolutely smashed kevin holland yeah in a very highly intense, just emotional a fight probably for both guys, considering what happened at the press conference and that really what you saw in the video that was released, Hamzad had been hearing these comments from Kevin Holland for a while. Yeah. He's like, you want to talk shit in interviews? He's like, let's go Yeah. right now. If guys are willing to fight for free in the back, yeah. you know once they get in there in the cage where the money's really being made, that no doubt emotions were high, but Hamza fought beautifully. I mean, this was just a master clash, master class showing. I know we've thrown that word around the last couple of weeks, but uh, the levels to yeah. this were um, unreal. It was kind of how we thought we were kind of afraid this might go. 
not afraid, not that Hamzai getting a win like that's a bad thing, but you obviously want the most competitive fight you can get, the best fight you can get. Yeah. And we were kind of nervous that this would be a bad matchup for Kevin Holland, and it appeared to be that way. Um, I guess if I want to ask you a question about kind of your thoughts here, I got to ask you, like, how much does this win boost or recover some of the stock that Hamzat had lost with the fight week buildup? It's weird because, like, in terms of, I guess, fandom, I don't think hardly any, if at all, was recovered. But his stock in terms of a a an aura around him and just wanting to see him fight because now people are going to tune in no and not to see him win and dominate but to see him fail and that mm. is what's going to bring eyes to him now i think his stock all things considered still increased because mm. there's just going to be this intrigue to see him against more top guys because that's clearly next weight class TBD. Don't know what the hell is going to happen there. But just like people are going to want to see him win. People are going to want to see him get tested. We've only seen it once in six fights, and it was against the top guy, Gilbert Burns. Will another top guy, like a top five guy or a Colby, give him the same sort of issues? So, again, like in terms of gaining fans and, and hype and whatnot, I don't even want to say hype. I'm just going to say gaining fans. That doesn't increase. But just this... I don't know how to describe it. Something is still going to increase for him. People tuning in to see him fight for one reason or another. And it was a flawless performance. Kevin Holland, the scrambles to start were pretty wild. He was trying his hardest. But it did just show the levels in which Chemayev has accomplished thus far and is only going to continue to do as he's only entering his prime right now. It's it's a scary fighter. It, it is... One of two very scary fighters on this card, and Hamzat, of course, is just way ahead of the other that we'll talk about later. What a performance. I don't know what's going to happen next for him, though, Noah. I agree. I agree that it's like, what a performance, but I kind of disagree with you on his stock going, or his stock goes, mm-hmm. aura yeah. going up here, because um, I think there's just too much chaos around this this fight being made in the first place. Like, Yes, I understand he goes down and fights a guy who weighed in at the weight that he weighed in at, you know, instead of having that unfair advantage. But I think people are still going to view it like he just had an unfair advantage at all this week because um, it was a bad matchup. He had the He's obviously a fantastic wrestler, and Kevin Holland's had issues with wrestlers when he's been on a full camp. Yeah. So I think that while, yes, it's still an... It adds another not. It's definitely a part of the story of Hamza. You know, yeah. you add that to that to that those numbers, those crazy statistics. Four fights with one striker less. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah. But I don't think the stock's gone up at all. But I do wonder. You probably did. You check out Dana White's post fight press conference. I didn't get to see all of it. No. So I have not watched it yet. I will after this recording. But I, the only quote that I saw from it on Twitter was that he did call Hamza a fucking freak of nature. So <laughs> that tells me that for the UFC, they must not be feeling too um, sour about this situation, yeah. all things considered. And maybe that means his stock really didn't go down. I mean, I, it is going to help him, I guess, now that he has his role. People are just going to want to watch to see him fail, which I yeah. think actually 
helps him in a lot of ways with building that stardom. Mm -hmm. But Dominic, he's made this this case to be the next welterweight contender, the next guy fighting for the belt. Yes. But he just missed weight by nearly eight pounds. Right. How could you trust this guy to make weight, especially when you consider kind of how his reaction was to it too? Like there was no reasoning given. I'm sure there's something. The rumor is there was an injury. But he's a big guy. You know, we've there's been people who have questioned how long he could make 170. I wasn't one of those people. I just thought this dude just fucking grinds like no other. He's yeah. just built different. Yeah. But to be honest, Dominic, like, I don't know what's next for him. Yeah. But I have a matchup in mind because um, I don't think a title fight's going to be next for him. No. Let's no. put it like that because – even though I predicted a little while back that he will be the middleweight champion by this time next year, and I still feel like even more than ever that that feels like a realistic <laughs> yeah. possibility, um, I don't think they're going to reward him with the title fight coming off of this. Right. Regardless know, of weight class. Even. Yes. Uh, what I think, though, is his next fight is going to set him up with a win, and yes. then he gets a middleweight title shot, and I think that's going to be against Paulo Costa. Oh, um, man. Paulo is... Costa, of course, and him actually had exchanged somewhere. That was actually something we did with all the fight week madness. That started, that was like on Tuesday. They yeah, were, at the PI. At the PI, they were exchanging words, talking about they were going to fuck each other up and all this stuff. And it kind of got lost in the shuffle because everything that happened. Now, there was some really funny memes where it's like, that's Paulo Costa's music and it's like yeah. the WWE stuff that was cracking me up. But... Um, I think if, if, if the UFC can just push Hamza, like, Hey, because Leon and Usman, like maybe you do go back to 170, you know, in the future. Cause he's really talking about two belts, Yeah. but because you got the, your next title fight booked at welterweight, Leon and Usman have to run it back. Um, as far as what matchup at welterweight would stick out, obviously a Colby Covington fight sticks out, but mm-hmm. I think if I'm the UFC, I push him to go to 185, and you have that built-in little story there with him and Paulo. Yeah. They fight, he wins that, and they probably give him a title fight. I, I love everything about that idea. You've really hit me with two of those big kind of fight and fight bookings of the last couple of weeks, and that one is one that I would have forgotten about because it did get lost in the shuffle, like you said, but that is... A sick fight. Two guys that love having themselves surrounded with uh, some drama, and now mm. they have a little bit with each other. Title shot on the line at 185, dude. That is absolutely the move that should be made next for Hamza. Yeah, I, I think that's really all that needs to be said yeah. there. Yeah. Um, chin up, Kevin Holland. I know that uh, wasn't a great showing, but like he was apologizing to the commentary team afterwards, and he has nothing to hang his head about. He got a really tough matchup that he had no time to prepare for. Yes, I know he was talking to talk back, you know, behind the scenes and stuff. But guys, I mean, you still these are professionals. Like yeah. they don't just jump into a cage and, you know, fight a guy. That's not normally how things are done. You prep, you go into the yeah. lab, you've you put these game plans together. These are these are these are very intelligent teams putting yeah. this stuff together. And um, you know, it's it was an uphill battle from the get-go, 
but uh, what a what a gangster to even take it in the first place. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised one bit if Kevin Holland gets back very quickly and fights. Again. Yeah, I don't That's think this hurts his stock no. really at all because Not I mean he's still got quite a bit of momentum at welterweight. He still looks like a real threat there. Yeah, it it'll be kind of a blip on the radar. Yeah. yeah. Now the main event: Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson. The matchup that definitely this was the matchup that definitely improved the most. Uh, our main event definitely improved the most by having the shakeup, just because this felt like a much more competitive fight. And Dominic, it was a it pretty was. competitive fight. Yeah. Um, I just loved seeing these two guys fight. What well, didn't it feel that way? It like did. this wasn't a fight of the year. This wasn't a you know. It's maybe not going to be a fight that's going to be on any like all time list or anything. But it was just a very solid fight between two legends of the sport. Both with a lot of beef with the company, which is so funny that they saved this card by taking yeah. this fight in the main event. Um, and, yeah, it was a really good fight. Nate Diaz was still the betting underdog, and he goes in there and gets the win in his final fight of his UFC contract, submits Tony Ferguson. I mean, what karma, what what crow the UFC have to eat here for really trying to fuck this guy on his way out and then all the cards are in his favor. They probably had to toss him a little bit more money. That's what he was saying. They give yeah. they give him a matchup that is more fan friendly, more favorable, a more winnable fight. And he goes in there and fucking wins it, boosts his stock even more on his way out the door. I love the UFC, but man, what a checkmate of a night this was for Nate Diaz. Yeah, and literal checks as well, No, like you said. <laughs> because Nate, I did catch one snippet before we hopped on. Nate said, or someone said, you know, what was it like negotiating to get Tony now on 24 hours notice after Hamzat missed weight? He goes, yeah, well, I told the UFC I need paid more than every single UFC champion in the company. UFC, this is what he said. UFC said back, well, you're already making that type of money. And then Nate goes, well... I'm going to need even more than that. And they go, so how much more was it? Like, he's really going to tell them. All Nate said, I lost count. So he's an absolute <laughs> dog. He's a savage, and he fought like a savage. Um, he, he looked good. His boxing was as crisp as ever. He was landing not a ton of, like, output, really, from both guys, but it was a bit of a fast-paced fight in terms of, like, the movement. But when Nate was landing, the impacts were so much more um, damaging than anything that Tony was doing. Tony did land that great double leg takedown the first time the fight was going to be on the ground. Nate said, eh, let's just go ahead and put him out right now. Locked in the guillotine. People forget how good that Nate is on the ground. The guy has one of, if not the most, submissions off of his back in UFC history, if I'm not mistaken. He adds one more to the resume on his way out the door with a bag full of money. I mean, what better way for Nate to fight out his contract, if I'm being honest? I mean, come on. This is crazy. Yeah, this brought so many eyes to him this week, and he was yeah. the utmost professional despite, really was. you know, the cloud hanging over the fact that it was his last fight, UFC kind of screwing him here with the matchup. And he came in very professional. He made weight, took the new opponent, got a bag full of cash, and yeah. – that was it. That's all she wrote. That if that's the last time we ever see Nate Diaz in the MMA space, in a, I mean, I, I I'm sure he's gonna have more going on. You know, he's got his fight promotion. He's yeah. starting. You got the rumors of boxing out there. Um, but if that's the last time we ever see him in the UFC octagon, I mean, what a career yeah. for this guy. The just he 
the song, the best song that describes Nate Diaz's UFC career, My Way by Frank Sinatra. He he literally faced it all. He stood tall and he did it his fucking way. Yes. And I just have so much respect for you know that he's a character for sure. I mean, that dude, that dude is one of a kind. Him and his brother Nick, they are well, two of a kind, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. But in such but, an authentic way. But they are very authentic, and and they built themselves up in an authentic way. They yeah. didn't, you know, compromise their values, their morals. They weren't, you know, playing a character. You know, they were as real as it gets, and they made it to – they may not have ever been champions, but, I mean, made it to the top of the sport. They owned the sport in some yeah. ways at a time. So, um I just was so happy for him that he, you know, sucks for Tony losing. Course, right? That's 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 a yeah. fifth loss in a row. Um, I guess I do kind of have to ask you. We won't focus on it too much because again, hard to really fault right. any guy here. But five losses in a row. You know, you got to think Tony gets another shot at welterweight though, right? Yeah, I still love the idea of him at welterweight. Let's thought he looked good. He did look good. He did not look bad at all. I mean, really, no one looked bad. Nate just ended up getting the finish over time. He just continued to kind of improve the gap. But, yeah, Tony absolutely gave him another fight. This one wasn't like some brutal finish he's had. You know, obviously the one against Chandler was just terrible to see that happen to Tony. Yes, he got finished, but he went out via sub. It wasn't a vicious knockout. It was a dog-eat-dog type fight. Them two, two OGs. Give him another fight at 170. I don't know necessarily, like, ranking wise matchup wise what they do with tony um so i'm not calling for him to be like against some top 10 top five guy but he does deserve another chance to really prove he's got a little left in his tank for one seven mm-hmm. yeah completely agree and you know any any thoughts on maybe what is this the last time we see nate diaz in the ufc octagon man he kind of did leave the door cracked i wouldn't say yeah. wide open but he left it cracked um, I just really think it would be a shame if we never could see that trilogy with Connor. Mm. Um, that'd be a big. That would be one of the biggest what ifs I feel like ever in terms of like a matchmaking wise for the UFC. But if not, what are you gonna do? I mean, again, really, you can't have a better swan song than what Nate had last night. So in a sense, I don't need to see him fight again unless it is that trilogy with Connor. You know, I I think it's already a what if if they did it tomorrow. Oh yeah. If they booked the trilogy tomorrow, I mean, sure, you'd get the closure. You know, they'd fought three times. Someone would ideally win two of those, right? Yeah. But at the same time, it didn't happen at the time it probably should have happened. What if it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's still a what if, even if we do get it in the next couple of years. And that's kind of the thing is, like, Nate's 37. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if he's going to come back, it's it, you'll find out not too long. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, but I, I do wonder, you know, if he goes in boxes like Jake Paul or somebody, I mean, that'll, I'm, I'm sure that'll be fun and everything for people that like that. But, um, and we'll see what happens with his fight promotion. But I have a, I kind of feel like we may see him again. I'm, I'm sort of leaning that way right now. Yeah. I do think that Connor trilogy is still, very much in play in the future. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, let's get into a tidbit real quick. Uh, 
Dominic, the PFL making moves. They're snatching guys left and right, and they signed Tiago Santos, yep. former UFC light heavyweight title challenger. Uh, Tiago, I didn't even realize he was out of his contract with the UFC. Me neither. Yeah. Um, but he was a free agent. He had been on a tough run over the last few fights. You know, really since the John Jones fight where he blew out uh, his what was it the ACL, PCL, MC. I mean, it was like yeah. all the CLs. Um, since then, just been on a tough run, but still, like, you know, like you look at the the um, Jamal Hill fight, like he still looked like a guy who could, you know, beat some top guys. But yeah. since he had been fighting all the best guys in the world, since you know, you go past the the John Jones fight, he comes back and fights Glover Teixeira, who just a fight or two later is champion. You know, he follows that up with Alexander Rakic, who people think can be a champion. Then he has a win over Johnny Walker, but it's a terrible fight. So like yeah. nobody really gives any credit either way. Um, and then of course he fights Magomed Ankalaev, who also people think is a future champion. Yeah. All these in like main event spots mostly too. Yeah, so, true. Um, he was kind of a mainstay in that top of light heavyweight. It's kind of a shame how the things went after that John Jones fight. I felt like that fight he was really close to winning that belt, being the first man to beat John Jones legitimately. But now he's going to the PFL, and I think that this is a beautiful, beautiful pairing here, just like with Shane Burgos, but for for different reasons with Tiago Santos. He still, I think, has proven he still has something left. He's not the guy that nearly beat John Jones, but he's still a dangerous fighter. He is still probably one of the top 15 light heavyweights in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and but he he they're really his ceiling had been met in the UFC at this point. You know he lost right. to Jamal Hill. He was only falling lower and lower on that totem pole. Now he goes to the PFL where he has a chance to compete for a million dollars against competition that's good, getting better every year. Yep. But not necessarily the kind of guys he was fighting in the UFC. These future UFC champions and stuff. Right. So. Um, I think it's a, on paper, beautiful pairing. We've seen it not work out for a few guys. Anthony Pettis didn't really, hasn't really worked out in terms of uh, performances in the cage. Uh, Fabricio Verdum, uh, Rory McDonald, you know, they've all had iffy runs. But I do think that this could really work for, for these two. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. I can't really add much input. It's big, not as big as as Shane because Shane's more in his prime with a lot more potential right now but it is it just feels perfect for Tiago to get this opportunity and if he wins a million what a story it is that the the PFL continues I'm gonna be they continue to not only be the number two but dare I say they're kind of taking that gap and they're pulling it a little bit above Bellator right now for I in terms of my personal enjoyment and interest definitely but Bellator, we're excited to come see you in Chicago. Please don't, please don't, <laughs> please let us in. Don't refund our tickets. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's get into fight announcements. We actually got one, and it's a fight denouncement. Oh, yeah. boo, boo! Yeah, I know. Giga Chikadze. I was excited to see him back. See how he would rebound after a pretty tough loss. Uh, the first card of the year, I believe, in the main event spot. Yeah. Uh, with the win, he was knocking on the door for a featherweight title shot, but he gets 
utterly dominated by Calvin Cater over the course of five rounds. Haven't seen him since. He was supposed to come here and fight Sadiq Yusuf. Unfortunately, he is now out of that bout. But I know Dominic, big Sadiq Yusuf fan, so I will say Dominic, and I know you know this because you told me off recording, but I'm going to pretend like I'm telling you the news. Right, right. Um, the UFC are still actively looking for fill-ins, so Sadiq Yusuf may be staying on this card on September 17th, next Saturday. Yeah, well, UFC got six days, so we shall see. <laughs> let's figure it out. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, let's get into the rest of UFC 279. Just a few more fights to talk about here. Irene Aldana and Macy Chason. Of course, Macy missing weight for originally scheduled bantamweight bout. It goes to 140 pound catch weight. Uh, Macy definitely having a size advantage. It was actually a pretty good fight in my opinion. Yeah. Like I, each round was pretty purely dominated by one fighter going into that third. Yeah. So, but I thought it was exciting enough. I thought there was enough action. There was a lot of finishing opportunities. You know, Aldana had on like multiple arm bars on Macy in round one. And then round two, Macy's doing really good work mm-hmm. on top. And um, round three, Irene Aldana on the ground lands a nasty upkick. I think the third upkick finish in UFC history. Yeah. The first to do it right to that old liver. That liver, baby, it just shut her down. She literally dropped, done, couldn't continue. Um, good win for Irene Aldana. I'm curious your thoughts here, Dom. I, Aldana, the, the, the matchmaking here was a little questionable just because Aldana felt like she was a little bit on the more of the top half of the division and Macy really hadn't think done enough to warrant getting that kind of push toward the top, but she was in yeah. the back half, so... Um, once the fight took place, though, much more competitive, it appears. But um, did this do anything for you in terms of Aldana maybe getting back into that, maybe knocking on the door of a title shot, or how are you feeling about it? She's she's there, but you have to give her one more and just match her up with someone up there. I, this this Bantamweight division, division is just such... I don't even know. It's just it's they can't just get they can't. It's stuck in the mud. <laughs> yeah, stuck in the mud is the perfect example. The big, the big, well, there's no big fights, but you know, like the top contenders, if they're booked, they never get to happen. Or if you get a four versus ten, it doesn't get to happen at 135 pounds. It's just I don't know what's going on. Maybe one day it'll get back to some bit of normalcy, uh, but we shall see. But I do still really enjoy Arena Aldon. I think she is a good talent. But as more and more time goes, and she doesn't get these chances against the top contenders. We'll never really quite know where she's going to be. So we'll see what they do next with her matchmaking-wise. I am a bit intrigued. And for Macy Chasson, I know the women's band, or featherweight division doesn't exist besides the two fighters, Norma Dumont and Daniel Wolf, that fought. Um, but she definitely is like a women's um, featherweight-looking fighter. And mm-hmm. dare I say, Noah, PFL, women's lightweight, wouldn't be out of the uh, – you know, realm for possibility for she's her. She's very talented. She's very talented when she, she can is. make weight. You know, it's just uh, she's just a much like you, she does not look like a bantamweight. She's no, very large, no, very she long. Doesn't. So. I was surprised at how much bigger she looked, just because yeah. Aldana's not a small bantamweight by exactly. any means. But yeah, good fight there. Johnny Walker gets a big bounce back. Just talked about him when we were talking about Tiago. He gets a first round submission mm. over Jan Kudelava. Kudalaba, of course, initiating the ground game, going for a quick takedown to start the round. Uh, Johnny Walker able to kind of reverse it, get on top, and get his back. And that was all she wrote, Dom. Yeah, that who was would it. Have thought? 
You had Johnny Walker by submission on their bingo board. I mean, that was something that not a lot of 14, 14 to 1. Wow, that would have been a nice little payday there. Someone that got it good on you. But uh, Johnny just needed it. He needed a win. First win in two fights, first win in two years, and he gets it by finish. That's still 18 out of 19 via stoppage for him. Young Kudalaba continues to just give guys hard fights. Yeah. But finds ways to still like lose. And I'm not even like that sounded so mean. I, no, I'm like that's I, I what happens what with his career. He is su- he's he's like he's very he's good enough to stay in the UFC, but he's he's not winning like he's he's not winning a lot of these fights, right? Yeah, he's five, seven and one now. Yeah, I thought the line was crazy for this one. Well yeah. We we both were like, What like how is Johnny Walker this big of an underdog? And I mean yeah. that was true for another fight we're gonna talk about. We we made good on both of those. So hey, yeah. Maybe we're back. <laughs> Maybe the blue average Joe's are back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not ready to say it yet. We need one more week of right, right. what we what we've got in the last two, and then I'll say we're back. But yeah, good win for him there. How about Jailton Almeida taking Come on a short notice uh, opponent, uh, the Pleasure Man Anton Turkal? Yeah. Um, this of course was uh, our first fighter from season six of the Contender Series to get a fight in UFC. This is a guy from the infamous episode one. Yeah, that's true. And it's not Joe Pfeiffer. That's <laughs> this, also true. This is one of the guys that got berated by by Dana for for not doing more. Um, didn't get a whole lot of time to do anything here because Jailton Almeida is a freak. Uh, this guy is. is this guy is starting to run away with the uh, newcomer of the year for the Joeys, I do believe. Well, I mean, and guys, I know he doesn't quite have the hype as a Hamzat Chmaev, but he's putting up Hamzat Chmaev numbers. He's not getting touched in mm. his fights. He's absolutely dominating start to finish. He's got to win at light heavyweight. He's got to win at heavyweight. And now he's got to win at a 220-pound catch weight. The guy can do it all. He was supposed to fight a ranked Shamil Abdurahimov, Noah. I mean, can you explain to me why this was a 220-pound catch weight? Well, Jalton was supposed to fight at heavyweight against Shamil. Shamil yes. drops out. Mm-hmm why they made it 220 and not just like heavyweight because 220 is well, heavyweights heavyweight. 206 to yeah. 260 so i don't know why they had that stipulation that they had to be that weight class that i still do not know the answer to but jalton showed that it did not really matter what weight that he was going to be at this guy is a legitimate problem for two weight classes i mean like put him in against top 15 at 205 Putting him against top two, 15 at heavyweight, it does not matter. He's that skilled. And 100% finish rate, 17 fights. 17 wins, I should say, 17 finishes. Yeah, he's a real threat. I'd like to see what he could do against top 15 at heavyweight right now. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think he could really cause a lot of those guys to, to fall down a little bit for yeah. sure. Yeah. Last one. Speaking of heavyweight. <laughs> our guy. Our guy. Huggy Bear. I want to Had a, it was a tough week for Huggy Bear. He misses weight, second heavyweight in UFC history to do so. But damn it, did he fucking redeem himself. Yes. Looked a little iffy at first. Um, good first round for Jake Collier. Looked like, Chris, looked like Chris Barnett was uh, wearing down. Looked like he was out of gas, maybe bad weight cut. You know, a lot of things, a lot of factors piling up here. Yeah. But round two, baby. Chris Barnett. Showing how athletic he can be, how talented he can be. I just think, man, if this guy can get on a better diet, like he could be like maybe a decent fighter. Like, I yeah. mean, not that he's not okay, he's a good fighter, but 
Like, he could maybe win some pretty decent fights against decent-level opponents if if he really could commit to a better diet plan, I guess. Because he's really small in terms of his stature. He's 5'9", but it's not looking good when you can't, you know, make weight at heavyweight. So, um, hard to be – but at the end of the day, this man is the reason that the bet slip did so well this week. So, we will not slander – the good name of Chris Barnett around here. Uh, what a fantastic finish. And, I mean, just kind of add more to his name value as well because that both wins he's had highlight real finishes. Oh, people love him. His attitude, his positivity, and he's in fun fights. So. Yeah. We'll I guess that. I shouldn't say it was a highlight real finish, but the highlight after the fight. The comeback. The flip, yeah, the comeback. The yeah, yeah. And the flip is iconic. I mean, I was at a, I was at a birthday party and – uh, when the flip happened, I mean, the whole place went nuts. I mean, it was. <laughs> oh, I love that. It's like those memes where the the people at the bar <laughs> and, and the big screen. It on cuts the wall. to cuts yeah. to so it cut to him doing the flip, and everybody just went nuts. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. Um, but let's talk about the below average bet slip, Dom. While we're oh, while we're maybe. on the subject, and I want to remind everybody that if you would like to see our picks in advance, you can do so. We typically post them on Friday or Saturday before the card um, on our Below Average Joe's Twitter and Instagram at the Bajma, the B-A-J-M-M-A. Um, you can also follow Dominic on Twitter or Instagram at DSLEEP14. You can follow myself on Twitter or Instagram at Noah Todd Baker. So, Dominic, another big week. We are over the, the, the Mendoza line. We're over the threshold. Yep. We are now officially back yearly standing positive units yes um what a what a what a down what a what a roller coaster ride it has been this year but it feels really good we had been we had literally just been talking about acknowledging for the first time in the last couple weeks how me and you had just never been able to both hit big in the same week right and now two weeks in a row I only had three bets because of obviously the fallout well, of the yeah. card. I went two for three. But that Chris Barnett one just, I, I think, really, really helped put us in a good place. So um, anything that stood out to you here? I, I mean, again, we are hitting on big plus money bets. We went perfect on it last week. This week we went one, two, three, three and one on the plus monies. Johnny Walker cashed as a huge underdog as well again. Guys, if there's odds that we feel like should be an even fight, we watch a lot of fights. We get a good feel on when a fight is like a coin flip fight. Johnny Walker, Young Kudalaba, and you're giving me plus 165? We're going to take that. We're going to take, albeit Chris Barnett did look like a plus 330 in the first round. But in the second round, he made it back. He made the comeback. He gets the win. That's a lot of units positive for one man. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what more can you say? We, we are getting going. We're catching momentum together, heading into this final quarter, right, of 2022. We're back in the green. Now we take that 2022 standing, and we just keep letting it go mm-hmm. the right way, my friend. To the moon. That's right. But, Dominic, there's only one way that we end the show around here, and that's with closing statements. It's the part of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, do you have any closing statements for this Monday episode? Oh, man. I've been on a roll. I've been coming in hot with a lot the last few weeks, but I don't know if I actually have one, Noah. I'm just, 
I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to leave the studio and literally go sit on the couch for the next seven hours and watch commercial free football. Shout out to mm. Scott Hanson. Here's my question, actually. I do have a question for our NFL fans out there. Do you have NFL Red Zone? And if not, you need to change that right now and make that a yes to the question. I know Noah made the move. He's got it. Mm. Now he's got 18 TVs in his apartment as well. He's not there today, but he gets it for 16 more weeks after today, yeah. and I know he's excited. Yeah, exactly. Definitely highly recommend two TVs in the living room. Highly yes. recommend NFL Red Zone. Because then if you want to watch your team and they're on, you can have that on one TV while Red Zone's on the other. Exactly. Never say I didn't do anything for you guys. All right, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We are but just two of the below-average Joes, and we'll see you on Thursday.